I'm Amy, sex educator, sex and relationship coach, and co-owner of PurePleasureShop.com. I'm April, VP of the cutting-edge sex toy company, Hot Octopus, and I dedicate my life to the business of sex. We are on a mission to teach you how to have hot sex, deep intimacy, and how to make your own rules for who you are as a sexual being. Welcome Welcome to to the the Shameless Sex Revolution. Don't forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Well, hello there, everyone. <laughs> hello, everybody out there. I almost forgot how we start podcasts for a second. <laughs> we could change it up. It's nice to do th- different different things from time to time. Howdy, y'all, all you shameless sex listeners and fans. We I hope that we love we love you. I hope that we are coming to you on a day that you're just feeling great and quarantine doesn't have you down. Oh, quarantine. Maybe they're listening to us in in 2040, Amy. Maybe this is... this. Yeah, this is the future. I mean, maybe people can listen to this in in 2040 and they'll listen to this old episode and be like, wow, shit was crazy. Then people were hiding in their houses. It was wild. April and Amy weren't even allowed to be in the same room together. I'm burying money all over the parking lot where I live. (laughs) (laughs) Cash. Everyone's like, what's her address? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, shit. My friend. Uh, <laughs> things are getting weird. Um, so this episode we recorded before all of the Corona Madness. Uh, another one in our arsenal with uh, award-winning adult filmmaker Brie Mills. She is fucking awesome. She is so cool. And uh, on the note of quarantine and self-isolation, we are doing another Hot Octopus giveaway. Ooh. With the release of this episode, if you're listening right now, Hot Octopus is giving you, our Shameless Sex Podcast listeners, the chance to win 100 free vibrators. All you have to do is go to shamelesssex.com and look for that. Scroll down until you see the Hot Octopus. It doesn't say Hot Octopus. It has pictures, three pictures of our products on it on one banner. Click on the banner, put in your info, and then you'll receive an email confirming that you won or maybe they'll give you something else if you were too late. So you we are taking that down on April 10th, the uh, banners coming down. So we're essentially yeah. rewarding people who listen to our podcast right away. <laughs> the people the people who listen to Shameless Sex, first thing so this is this is helpful if you subscribe to our podcast because you're actually one of those people that gets a notification, new episode, and then you listen. And if you're one of the first hundred people to go, click on this banner. It's below a video link on our site. So if you go to our website, you'll see a video of Amy and April. And then if you go below that, you'll see this banner. I think the banner also says we gave away a hundred vibrators on it. Because we did on Instagram. Yes. On last Instagram Friday. live last Friday. And I would like to say Hot Octopus, they donated all of these products because they want to take the edge off people's isolation and pleasure seems to be getting you know, a bit forgotten in these times of self-isolation. And sometimes pleasure is just not on the top of our priority list. I know for me, even my self-pleasure practice and even my, my partnership pleasure practice has shifted a little bit. So free toys, they help everyone. And Uber Lube's giving away something on our Instagram live this Friday. Oh yeah. So, so go follow us on Instagram, Shameless Sex Podcast on Instagram. And OMGS is going to be giving away some free stuff as well. So stay tuned. Yep. We are here to help you have a better quarantine or self-isolation and we love you. And so does Hot Octopus, so does Uber Lube, so does OMGS, so does the world. 
Yeah. Yeah. I love it. More well, orgasms for everyone. More pleasure for everyone. Um, it, just so everyone knows in this episode, we noticed in the beginning, and I don't remember how much, how long it It may have been, actually might be throughout, throughout the entire podcast. There was a little bit of a feedback issue. Um, if you hear that, we are sorry. Um, we didn't really realize until we were in the podcast that it was happening. So um, if this is your first time tuning in to Shameless Sex, know that we uh, we are trying to be good with our sound and we don't always do it perfectly. Um, we're going to answer sex question and read a bio. And some of you probably already pressed pause because you're like, I got to go get that vibrator. So go ahead and do that. And then don't forget to come right back. This is also another reason to listen to our intros. <laughs> Folks who complain about not liking our intros. By the way, we put in our show notes when the podcast starts, when the interview starts. If someone doesn't like all this intro stuff when, and when we answer sex questions, you can just read the show notes and you'll know where to go to just go right to the interview. And you might be missing out on the free vibrators. So <laughs> here just you go. Saying. <laughs> now you know. Um, so before I answer the sex question, I want to do a shout out to Hot Source Yoga, which is a yoga studio here in Santa Cruz that April and I absolutely love. And obviously we're not doing it right now. It's closed down. I miss it so much. I am dying inside. I know. I'm, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm missing it. So I'm like, I've been doing hot yoga for years. I miss the sweat. I miss the heat. I miss the community. But the cool thing is she's doing online classes now and they're super affordable. They're $5 a class and you can take it anywhere. Of course, it's not going to be hot, hot yoga unless you crank up the heat in your own house. Um, but she has hot Pilates, hot yoga. It's all online. So if you go to hotsourceyogastudio.com, you can go and take this. It's only $5 a class. Amazing. I know I, it's been a life or game changer for me in what's going on right now. I'm like in my tiny home doing <laughs> hot Pilates. Here's fun. It's actually, I'm having a good time and I feel like I'm still somewhat connected and it gives you that sense of community as well. Yeah. You still have people that you can uh, practice with. And it's also good just to throw in yoga. And if you are working out at home or going running or walking or whatever you're choosing to do, just adding some yoga practice or Pilates practice into your routine is such an awesome way to fly right now. Yeah, I love flying. She's also doing, uh, actually starting the day this podcast comes out, April 7th through 28th. This is 2020. She's doing a 200-hour online yoga intensive. So maybe you got a lot of time on your hands and maybe you want to learn how to teach yoga or you want to just narrow your practice down, get that down. Um, it's all 100% online. It's live classes. You can take it at your own pace. Um, and it's uh, two yoga classes a day so you can get your, uh, your quarantine muscles going. Uh, and then there's lectures and posture clinics in between. She has payment plans available. So go check that out, hotsourceyogastudio.com or just go take hot Pilates um, or hot yoga or just yoga or Pilates if you can't get your room all hot um, and you'll know what we're talking about. Noise. I did it today, actually. Sex? Oh, yes. you did? You're, oh, you read it. You read the question. You're really good. You're really good. Okay. I don't mind. Uh, all right. So this sex question, I love these, by the way, the sex questions, because Amy always surprises me with them. And then I read them and I'm like, oh my God. Oh, she doesn't so, know what she's reading yet. No, my husband of 15 years and I have decided we would like to explore another woman. We have reached out to a friend of ours who has who had previously asked us to swap with her husband at the time. And she is interested. We declined at the time because we were not in that place. They are no longer together, but she is definitely interested in experiencing this with us. Any suggestions? We feel strong in our partnership and just feel great about having a great night. I do have some body issues that I have shared with my husband and he assures me I have nothing to worry about, but it is hard. Ooh, so the I, question is basically any suggestions for navigating, guess, a threesome. navigating a threesome, which we've done a lot of episodes on this. 
Yep. Yeah, but episode 105 we did with Reed Mihalko, who's kind of the, uh, he's a sex, a sex educator who is very, um, he, uh, he, he's like kind of, I mean, threesomes are kind of his jam. Also, is just he knows a lot of threesomes, cuddle parties, play parties, group sex stuff. Um, so that's a fun episode with him. And then also April and I did a, a threesome episode on episode 72 where we actually talked about some of our threesome experiences and what we learned from that. Um, so that's a great place to go and learn more about what we're going to share. So we'll share a little bit here and then go, you, there's full episodes to learn more. Um, I like that this person shared at the end the body issues because I assume what they're saying is, a lot of the fear that comes up about opening up a relationship in some way, shape or form, whether it's swinging or threesomes or open relationships is, you know, what if you find someone that's better than me? Or like, you know, what if we have sex with this other woman and I don't feel that great in my body and, you know, maybe they, maybe I compare myself to them and there's something that doesn't feel good. Um, and it sounds like your husband has reassured you that you have nothing to worry about that, you know, that they love you and are attracted to you. Um, and my advice in April will probably have some good advice too here um, is just to like get as clear as possible before you dive in, like take baby steps diving in to this threesome pool. Um, go, go into, go into the shallow end, maybe start the kiddie pool a little bit. Um, not children, but like this the little pool and um, just to dip your toes in and see what feels good. And if you can, you and your partner can talk about what are the boundaries? What do you, how do you want to feel during the threesome? Like what is, what is the intention behind it? Just make sure you two are on the same page. How do you want to feel during it? How do you want to feel after? What are you going to need during it to feel loved, adored, sexy, safe? What is uh, your partner going to need? Also, don't forget to treat you're the third person like a person. You know, what do they need too? Um, and then what do you need after to feel good? Are you going to continue to talk to this person? Are you going to build a relationship with them? Are you going to have more threesomes with them? Um, so it's really like getting clear and spending a lot of time laying out the the fears, the desires, the needs, the boundaries beforehand. Um, and in, only you two will know what that will look like. And then again, of course, you involve the other person in it too, because they also have a say um, in in the, this wonderful time. I mean, it's an interesting time to bring another person in. I don't know, part of the social isolation part, but maybe they can be part of your social isolation pod. Uh, there you go. Well, I think that those are all really good suggestions from Amy. And the only thing that I would really add and something that came up for me in the, with this question is maybe you could, if this person, this other uh, woman that was, has shown interest in participating in your relationship or sexually experimenting with you, perhaps you could invite them over after quarantine or during whatever that looks like. And maybe have a, a non-exploration um, evening where it's, where it's not, you don't go in thinking you're going to experiment with each other and you kind of lay Ooh, out. Love some, that. Yeah. Some of the, some of the, maybe the, not, not all the details, but just being like, Hey, we want to come over. And, and talk with you openly about uh, what we've what we've had uh, on the table before, and see if you all have the same ideas and uh, that you all can express with an open mind and open heart about what you're trying to get out of this. And then if it does turn into something sexy and fun, then roll with it. And if not, then maybe make a date for next time. And maybe it's a, maybe it's a themed night. I had this idea, like a rock star and a groupie theme night where someone put <laughs> 
scripted and it's like, okay, you're going to be the rock star. We're going to be the groupies. And then oh my God. And it's scripted. Be- Doesn't that sound like fun? Or you could do like <laughs> Star Wars theme night where someone plays Chewbacca. <laughs> <laughs> someone plays Princess Leia. And then I want to be Baby Yoda. On Solo and somebody yeah, plays, you know, you could have like 15 people over. Well, nope, 10, 10, 10 maximum right oh, now. Oh shit. Yeah, you can. That's, <laughs> oh my God. I wonder how, um, how the man horror podcast is doing with all of his group sex stuff. Jeez. And during these times, the group sex is kind of like, and, and which brings me to another piece that came up for me is if perhaps you want to explore someone that isn't in your circle or someone that, you know, you could always pay for a third party to participate with you just to see how it goes. A professional. Yeah. I like that. So I love, I love what you said, April, about, spending time together without it just diving without diving right in the threesome like you know they they kind of sound like they know each other but like do you really know each other and and so yeah maybe just spending some time together to make sure that it feels really good so you're not blindsided by something that's like ooh, actually that doesn't feel as aligned as i thought um uh one thing i want to share Ooh, i went you have a threesome i'm just kidding no (laughs) i went to an online sex party the other day oh how was that uh, it was awesome. Uh, so my partner and I, so they, I, there's this, this group and I can't really talk about like their, their name publicly, but there's a group that does some sex parties in the Bay area and that I've been to in person a long time ago and now they can't do it because, you know, they're like 200 people all in this big, uh, kind of like workshop event space. And it was awesome. It was really well, really well done. They do a lot of work around consent and like they, they had people go to orientations before to make sure that they have all the information about consent and boundaries and how to navigate the space, but now they can't do it. So they did this online one on zoom and it even has still has like an opening uh, circle where they still talk about consent. And then someone's guiding everyone in like a self-pleasure practice. And all of a sudden it's just kind of like a free-for-all play space. Um, and so there's all these different videos of all these people, you know, having these experiences. And I can't share again about other, it's, there's a confidentiality piece there too. So I can share about myself um, that it was just so awesome to, to see people finding these new ways during these times to still have their like, you know, their wild sexcapades, even from the, the privacy of their own homes. Like a number of the screens was just a person alone in their home, right? And, and, but they're still a part of this community and is super sexy. All the sex sounds and stuff is just like, I'm just so, um, I was, I'm just, yeah, so impressed with the creativity that is coming out in during these times and, and especially in the world of sexuality. And I was really excited to be a part of it. And it was really hot. I was like, Aww. yeah, we had like a red light bulb on. It was like, ooh, we look good. It was, yeah. I like that. Thinking outside the box. Yeah. And people just getting creative. I love it. It's really cool to see. So. Oh, good. All well, right. Amy, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I know. Maybe you can come to this online sex party next time and then we can be a part of the same sex party, Chip. Oh, hey. <laughs> finally, finally, hey. but online. Yeah. <laughs> but all online, so so safe. Yeah. Well, should we read Brie Mills' uh, bio? Yes, please. All right, let's go. Brie Mills is an award-winning adult filmmaker and chief creative officer of Adult Time, a streaming service for adults. Her work leverages art, sexuality, and cinematic narratives to Trojan horse powerful messages into the hearts and minds of her audience. A Boston native, she now lives in Los Angeles with her wife and daughter. Check out adulttime.com for more. And this episode is great. And I absolutely was so stoked that we have uh, Brie on here. So me too. 
Yeah, wow. she's busy. And, and, and I've actually, we have access to her, um, to her site and it really is like the Netflix of porn. It's so well done. So y'all have to check it out and then you can learn more about it in this podcast. And she doesn't just talk about her website, but it's about like the porn industry in general, yeah. um, which I think is actually quite fascinating. Um, I wonder what the numbers are these days. If it has porn, more uh, porn listenership or, um, viewership, I guess, or listenership, their viewership gone up during these times. Probably. Uh, so sure. yeah, worthy of checking out. All right, we ready to dive in? Chip. Yeah, can't wait. Here we go. All right, everyone, it is episode time. Today we are here with Brie Mills from Adult Time. Brie Mills is an award-winning adult filmmaker, as you've heard in the bio, uh, and we are super excited. We just realized we haven't had a lot of porn folks on here. We've had you know sex workers and lots of educators and authors, but not a lot of folks who are either um, in the uh, acting realm of pornography or in the directing realm. So super exciting to um, kind of shine some light in a, in a new direction. Um, Brie, can you start by telling our, our listeners, how did you get to be where you are today in this line of work? Sure. Well, I'm, I'm happy to be uh, one of the first um, yes. foreign folks. Uh, I, I'm certainly probably one of the more unique that you could have. Uh, so I might not set the tone for others, but I'll tell you my story. Uh, so I've been working in the adult industry for 10 years. Um, I actually spent the first five years um, of my career uh, I've always worked for the same company. It's a parent company called Gamma Entertainment, which is based in Montreal, Canada. Fun fact, uh, Montreal seems to be the epicenter of a lot of porn, not necessarily production, but in terms of the companies behind the productions. I don't really know why, um, but for some reason, uh, I guess at the beginning of the internet boom, there were a few good kind of computer nerds in Montreal that decided to do something about it and are now running uh, the industry. So uh, I was uh, living in Montreal at the time. I'm originally from Boston, but I grew up in Canada. I was living in Montreal and I was working in a mainstream uh, marketing role when I was headhunted by this company called Gamma. And uh, this was in about 2008. So the you know world financial situation had just crumbled uh, and I got, I was working for uh, Tower Records at the time. I was their marketing manager for Tower.com. And Tower Records uh, was once an amazing, you know, uh, music uh, retail brand. Uh, it was definitely, uh, I would say, a, a victim of the digital age. Uh, and certainly uh, in 2008, when I got headhunted by Gamma, I thought, well, you know, this might be an opportunity worth taking. I'm open-minded. Um, porn is recession-proof, right? I might as well try it. And uh, I started uh, as I think I was their first, one of their first English speaking hires, because at the time, you know, it was very much a, a French speaking technology company. Uh, and uh, I was also, I think, the first official marketing hire. And um, when I started working, I really had a layman's, um, you know, experience with porn myself. I had only very, very casually uh, watched content growing up. I grew up in, in the 90s, so it was right as the internet was starting. If you wanted to see a dirty picture, it would take you two days to download it. Um, I, I more remember like um, uh, adult movies at uh, in the back of video rental places. That was sort of like my frame of reference. Uh, and I think, you know, in, in, by the time I started working at Gamma in my mid-20s, I had only maybe downloaded one clip from a torrent site ever. So I really kind of came in not being an avid fan or an avid watcher. Um, and I think in a way that was kind of a blessing because I, I entered into this world of, you know, 
porn viewing and porn fans and what people watch and what gets people off. And as a marketer, I found this fascinating. You know, what is it that drives people's desire and a lot of the psychological aspects that motivate, you know, why somebody is, is rewatching that clip or is, you know, uh, having loyalty towards a certain genre or certain filmmaker or certain star. And, And so I, kind of just sucked up as much information as I could. And I worked uh, for Gamma in a few different um, capacities. I, I worked in, in their live cam business for a while. And then I, I worked uh, to um, m- help market the content that they, um, they managed. So Gamma didn't produce content themselves. They were a, really a technology partner of existing popular porn studios. Uh, so um, I got a chance to look at and to work on campaigns for a lot of different kinds of content from a lot of really famous porn brands, you know, uh, uh, people like Evil Angel and Burning Angel and, and uh, you know, um, all of these large uh, uh, brands. And so it really gave me this crash course in the diversity of content, the diversity of people's tastes uh, and, um, you know, the best kind of education you could get. So when we decided um, in around, I think it was about 2012, to start producing content ourselves, you, you know, from a business perspective, it just sort of made sense to develop our own assets. And so we had, we had acquired a, um, a group of websites. We'd purchased these websites that were um, massage porn sites. And at the time, massage porn was like one of the most popular kinds of porn that you could search for. And we bought these sites and we kind of, you know, plugged and played them into our, into our system. And we were wondering like, why is it that the, you know, that the sales are going down? We had kept the third party producers who were shooting the content and, and it really became clear to us, ah, you know, one of the things that makes a project or like a, you know, a site or a brand successful, it's not just having content. It's not just hitting a niche. It's really like the life force behind the people creating the content that makes it have something that people, again, want to be loyal to and want to subscribe to and want to, you know, pay to watch. And so, um, you know, our, our president, who I have always worked really closely with, he said, well, are you interested in maybe taking these sites and seeing what you can do with them? I'd never been on an adult set before. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I took film theory in school and I, I've always been a, a big cinephile and sort of just like a pop culture nerd and all of that stuff. So, and, and I, I have a background in, in, you know, branding, communication and writing. So I could fuse all of that in theory, but it was really an experiment. I said, you know, sure, I'll do it. And, you know, the first thing I did was go in and start to look at, well, what are the fans of that, those sites? Like, let's just talk to them. And so I started to talk to that, that audience. And, and the site that was in the biggest decline was this site called All Girl Massage. And I noticed from talking to those members really quickly that they were super loyal to lesbian content. They, they were saying, like, we want to give you our money. Just please make these better stories. Please do something original. And so, the, again, the fact that I wasn't a porn watcher and that I was, you know, just sort of someone who liked creative writing and had a good imagination, I started to work with a team to develop stories. And we modeled them much more um, like what you would see on mainstream television. So essentially soap operas, multi-part stories, you know, um, <laughs> almost short of people getting possessed and, you know, and then, and then you know, having a, a salacious affairs on each other, all these things that are, that are, you know, good sort of popular soapy tropes. And we brought that into the series and we turned it around. 
And that was really kind of the, the start for me where I saw, okay, well, if we take a different perspective to how we plan projects and just bring more life into them, will this resonate with people? And that's kind of been the driving force for my career ever since. So I went from sitting behind a desk in Montreal, you know, across the continent from where content was being shot to, uh, you know, starting to produce content, starting to write content, to starting to fly down to LA to direct content with our Girls Way studio, which we, uh, which, which uh, I created um, to really f- offer something to the lesbian market. Uh, and then, you know, since then, moving to L.A. full time, becoming a full time director, launching Pure Taboo, which is now our most successful um, individual consumer studio. And then, um, you know, through the course of just focusing on the stories and the filmmaking and the acting and the production value and all the things that, like, honestly, I care about the most, um, we've been able to create some really successful projects. And it led to the creation of Adult Time which was the vision I had for, can I create a a platform like Netflix or like Hulu or Amazon and all these other streaming services? Can I create a platform like that for adult audiences where all of the ideas that I have for series and projects that aren't necessarily like traditional adult pay sites that are just good programming, can we, myself, other creatives like me, can we create this place, the space to do porn differently? And, you know, we launched adult time kind of with that vision and it has become our most successful project to date um, with, you know, the most uh, uh, highest volume of of people joining and and subscribing, even in this era where nobody has to pay for porn. And that's just, I think, because we really do porn differently. We look at sex as fascinating subject matter, uh, but we don't necessarily, um, only shoot the the same pizza delivery guy or the same white couch or the same, you know, ad moments that a lot of our competitors are focused on. We're focused on making really interesting shows, really interesting films, and it's uh, struck a chord. So I guess that's my very long-winded way of saying how I got to where I am today. I, before we continue, I ask you just to keep, um, it's just picking up some of your, your P's and S's. Sure. So we're just going to move this a little further away. Perfect. And then Is that better? Um, yeah, let me, uh, let's see, say, what were the P's, say a sentence of P's and S's. Lots uh, of, uh, porn, in your pan. porn done differently, lots of porn. Say let's it, see. and again, um, say it again, please. Uh, porn done differently. Yeah, perfectly. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. All right. So you want to carry forward? Yeah, yeah. So, uh. We're going to get into kind of why adult time is so different. Obviously, I know that there's a lot of um, current trends in the pornography industry of not paying the the actual talent well. And um, and, and I would love to talk about the current state of the pornography industry actually with you because I would consider you to be just an absolute expert. Can you tell us in our audience kind of what's happening? And I know there's obviously some good things, but also maybe the the, the darker side it would be... Um, interesting to to dive into. Sure. Well, I can uh, speak to how the industry has, uh, has evolved uh, and how it's actually in in the process of undergoing uh, another evolution right now. Uh, If you think about traditional, the traditional pornography of the seventies, eighties, and even into the first half of the nineties, it it was very much modeled after um, the same film distribution methods that uh, mainstream films used. So there were, it was a pretty small community. It was pretty difficult to become 
a, a porn star. Uh, you you really had to um, you know uh, find your way to connect with studios and become part of the studio system. And and at the time there were um, contracts given out for performers, and it was a much much smaller model pool. And also you know uh, a lot more energy and attention placed on producing films that would be distributed on home video, that would be distributed um, in theaters, that would be distributed through uh, traditional broadcast. So uh, that, uh, throughout kind of the golden years of porn, uh, as they often describe it, it, it really was like a Hollywood light in how, in how it was run. Uh, there was a, um, a sort of a, a, a rise that started to happen in the late 80s, early 90s, um, with the invention of uh, what's called gonzo porn, which was sort of a um, a, con- a sharp contrast to the big budget, you know, very glam, you know, uh, uh, feature productions that that dominated a lot of adult. And this was the idea of uh, really paring down the budget, um, making it almost entirely sex focused, and using. I mean, the word gonzo obviously is inspired from Hunter S. Thompson, and the idea of just embedding yourself within um the subject matter that you're that you're documenting i thought it was muppets the whole time (laughs) (laughs) i am there you go (laughs) maybe (laughs) we'll have to ask john stagliano of gonzo (laughs) um but so it you know that that started to happen in in a way that was a contrast in in style and taste and filmmaking um from the you know conventional studios that was also coupled with the introduction of the internet and what happened when the internet came along um, was it completely changed distribution. So whereas the only way that you could watch a porno uh, beforehand was either, you know, stealing your brother's magazine or, you know, going to a peep show or, you know, owning it on home video, all of a sudden, increasingly, everybody would be, uh, you know, large uh, sort of segments of the population were able to use the web to start to access content. And what this did was on the one hand, it opened up, it really broadened the spectrum of adult content um, to encompass much, many more communities, many more kinks. Um, You know, it became a, a real powerful tool for people who you know, had certain fetishes or uh, were, you know, within the spec- sexuality spectrum, all of a sudden they could see, oh, I'm not alone. I have a community. There's content I can watch. Maybe I want to participate in creating it myself. Maybe, you know, the, it just sort of opened up a lot more freedom and liberty around sexuality um, that was previously, you didn't have any way to connect with other people that were like you. So on the one hand, it did that, which was amazing. That also ushered in a whole generation of new kinds of content creators uh, within um, uh, niches that otherwise were like very, very um, like DIY or like under the radar. And it also changed because uh, distribution, because all of a sudden you could purchase or, you know, watch your content online. It didn't have to be through the traditional means. And um, this had a, a, this was sort of compounded in, in the mid 2000s when tube sites first appeared. Okay? So tube sites are like the adult version of YouTube, where people can go onto sites like Pornhub being the most uh, well known. Uh, but there are many, many, many that exist, uh, and you could all of a sudden watch clips for free. And you know, uh, this uh, quickly became the these types of sites became the most popular, the most tra- highly trafficked sites online, uh, especially within the adult space. 
uh, and it had a huge impact on um, producers who, you know, who were paying for this content and trying to monetize it. And, you know, for the first, I would say, 10 years or so of tubes being around, the reaction of a lot of producers was very, very negative. You know, they're stealing our content. Um, you know, they're, they're driving down the value. They're changing people's mindsets onto, like, it, it's now become a commodity. It's not something worth paying for anymore. And so there was a lot of resistance from, from producers. But Tubes, you know, for the most part, uh, have cleaned up their practices where, you know, they don't, or they control the piracy aspect a lot better, especially the major tubes and began to offer more options for producers to use the tube sites as an advertising platform to showcase content and to still be able to, you know, push sales and traffic back to their sites. Um, but it really did have a huge impact. You know, anybody that's under the age of 30, if you ask them if they pay for their porn, they kind of look at you very confused, right? You're crazy. Yeah. yeah, like what? I mean, and, and it's true. Like nobody has to pay for porn. That That is absolutely a reality. And as somebody who creates premium content behind a paywall, I will be the first to admit that you do not have to pay for anything. You don't have to pay for anything that I shoot or anybody else shoots. It's all available. It's all available within seconds of being released, sometimes even before, you know, it is just a reality. Uh, So what has, you know, that has had really big impacts on the production side of the industry. So this has impacted um, uh, overall content budgets, you know, uh, something like the Pirates uh, pirates uh, porn film that came out. Um, that used to be my favorite. <laughs> yeah, it used to be everybody's favorite. It came yeah. out like at the uh, like I think it was like the early early two thousands. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at something like that, it was a half a million dollar budget for that project. Now you look at at what people are are, are working with to shoot a film, and I mean, I I shoot. I'm very fortunate that the the films that I shoot tend to be higher budget. And the, I think the highest budget I've ever had is a hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. So, and, and that's pretty an exception compared to a lot of people and what they're working with. So, a lot of companies slash their budgets, um, and then this obviously had trickle down effect on the people, the producers themselves, crew members, and talent. So, you know, the era of contracts for a long time dominated. For a long time, contracts went away. Now, companies are beginning to revisit it more. You'll see. Uh, you know, um, performers going under contract more in the last year or so. But there was a real period where that kind of just was no longer uh, popular. Um, You know, performers uh, uh, who, you know, nowadays uh, day rates are, 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 you know, generally a performer is paid um, as a contractor for the services provided that day. So it's sort of, you know, here's X amount of money. It's always set by the performer themselves and Mm -hmm. or their agent that's representing them. Um, but it's but the market market value, if you will, for you know a a, a, a sex scene is not what it was in the nineties, mm-hmm. uh, and this is just all related to the overall decrease in in content budget. And there's been a big shift by companies, especially companies that are very you know dissociated from the content creation themselves, that are really just more kind of corporate entities looking at data points and like what can we do to drive traffic and conversions and all that stuff, and they're looking at all right. I don't really so much care about the piece of content. I just want you to shoot these ad moments that I can, you know, cut together to, to try to drive more traffic and more sales. So a lot of the quality of the content um, has become an afterthought, you know, very, uh, very sort of, uh, you know, one liner, you know, scenarios that producers are developing and, you know, Oh, it's the same white couch. I mean, I make that joke, but like, Mm -hmm. I got to shoot six scenes a day in the same location 
And so everybody's going to come and sit on the couch and I'm just going to try to get done the day. Unfortunately, that's become the reality of a lot of producers. Yeah. Um, so what that has sort of dominated, I would say, uh, the era of porn that I entered into. You know, I started producing in about 2012. And again, what I think made the projects that I led successful was the fact that one, I didn't come in with that rule book. I didn't come in with that history. Um, two, I had creative autonomy to be able to say like, well, I want to, you know, try this project and, and, and this budget and, and luckily was able to, to do that. But also the fact that I um, just really went about the conceptualization very differently. So I, I was thinking about how to tell a really good story that has sex in it. And nobody really does that. I mean, people will think about how to wrap a story around good sex, but the other aspects, you know, the, the, the quality of the acting and the cinematography and the originality of the stories and the attention to detail, those things were very much pushed to the side for a long time. And I think just because of who I am and the fact that I'm kind of a lousy pornographer, I'm just a wannabe filmmaker, um, that, that that allowed us to create something that was truly different. So, you know, you can see a million white couch scenes and then you can see one of our episodes and it's like watching an episode of a, of a show on Netflix. So it was very, very different. Uh, and people have gravitated towards it. So they, you know, people are paying for that content because it's kind of worth paying for. It's, it's, it's above the, the norm, which is very saturated and all available for free. Um, so, you know, one of the things that, that this has been the world that I've been in and myself and a few other, you know, notable um, people of influence within the industry, I think have had success in the last five years because we've done things differently because we've raised the bar, you know, uh, uh, Greg Lansky would be a good example with what he did with black tushy and Vixen, where, you know, they went in and he did a $30,000 photo shoot of Tory black hanging out of a helicopter. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of like, on the one hand, Whoa, why did you do that? That would be a waste of money. On the other hand, well, there's now everybody looks at all the rest of content and then Tory Black hanging out of a helicopter and it's a startling difference. So, I mean, you know, I think just doing things, the general approach to doing things differently has allowed certain people to thrive in this, um, in this uh, kind of increasingly difficult time to be a producer. And it has sort of paved the way for what is happening now in the industry, whereas performers themselves are becoming the next generation of producers. So, you know, because costs and budgets were driven so low, performers couldn't make a living just shooting studio scenes. There's not enough work. Yeah. Not enough. It, it just doesn't actually sustain. I mean, forget about being super rich and famous. It just does not sustain paying your bills. So they needed to start looking elsewhere to, um, uh, you know, to, to have a career. And, you know, uh, uh, performers often talk about passive res revenue streams. That that's something that's really important to them, you know. And if they look at, well, if I create a piece of content myself and I can monetize it across these 10 different uh, content platforms and my OnlyFans and my Snapchat. And wait a minute, I can leverage my two million, two million person social media following to actually, you know, uh, promote myself and to build my brand. That that is a, a better, you know, a, a better career move for them than just relying on the studio. So there's been a big shift in the last two years where less and less performers are dependent on the studios because they are now producing content for themselves. And I think this is really. Um, the best possible thing that can happen to the adult industry is, is, is sort of 
and, and what it's going to take us into this next era is, um, you know, by breaking a lot of these constraints that have been put on by the studios and now putting it back into the hands of the creators themselves, including the performers, uh, that it's really going to not only change what people value and what people watch and bring back a desire to support and to pay for porn. Uh, but it's also, you know, like, like you had mentioned with, with bad things, like any entertainment industry, there's amazing people in adult and there's really crappy, shitty people in adult. And, you know, by weeding out the ability for sort of scumbags to operate by, you know, people having more uh, of their own, uh, you know, uh, power and being able to say, I don't need to take every shoot and I'm not going to take that person's shoot. Then it kind of casts, you know, it allows, you know, the people that should be in our industry kind of casts them out and it refocuses our industry around, you know, the, the people that want to do good work and, and, and that are there for, for the right reason. Okay. Time for a quick break. This podcast is made possible by omgs.com. OMGS is a research-based online program that teaches you all about how to pleasure the pussy. OMGS studied thousands of vulva owners to find out how they orgasm and then made tasteful and inspiring short videos to show you techniques on how to pleasure yourself or another vulva. I've been recommending OMGS to my clients for years and has changed their lives. So for all you vulva owners or vulva lovers out there who may already be having good orgasms and you want to take it to the next level, or perhaps you want to explore more variety in your playtime, OMGS will have something just for you. With two seasons, one all about internal and the other all about external techniques, it's better than any book or DVD money can buy. To learn more, visit omgs.com backslash shameless. Our listeners get $5 off. Check it out. This podcast was also made possible by Uber Lube. It's a luxurious silicone lubricant great for all kinds of sex. It's less likely to throw off the pH than most other lubes. And there are hundreds of doctors who recommend Uber Lube to their patients, whether they want to make their hot sex even hotter or for folks who are experiencing dryness. You never knew lube could be this good. So whether you're an avid lube lover or you've never used lube before, Uber Lube is right for you. It has no flavor, no scent, and feels absolutely amazing on the body. Uber Lube has endless uses. I use it to tame my hair frizzies, to prevent chafing, and I even put some in my mouth right before an oral sex session, and it totally ups my blowjob game. Oh, and the bottle, it's gorgeous. It's totally discreet and looks more like a beautiful cosmetic product, so you can even leave it on your nightstand shamelessly. To learn why we think it's the best lube on the planet, check out uberlube.com. Use code SHAMELESSSEX and you get 10% off and free shipping. That's uberlube.com. Go check it out. And now back to the show. Yeah, I've heard a lot about um, about kind of the ethical issues, actually, well, in every industry, let's say, but um, in, as, and in the porn industry, um, where there's a lot of like Me Too stuff and a lot of people feeling kind of like, oh, I need to make money, but powerless. And so that the way that they're choosing to do um, to projects and shoots, a lot of times there's like some coercion and some funky business. And so I, um, one, your site is beautiful like we are I, everyone i recommend go go check it out it's, it really is like the netflix of porn two you're also coming from a place it sounds like of really empowering performers too um and so just just telling our listeners you're not all 
uh, porn that you pay for is created equal and if ethics is really important to you um, and objectification, you know, it's going to happen. It's porn. So it's entertainment and you know, we get off to the idea of objectification. I certainly do. Um, I like, I mean, I'm a feminist and I like to be respected by my um, lovers and partners and all people. And I like watching some porn where women are getting kind of consensually beat up. So what, you know, that's just, just part of our, you know, our kinks and our fetishes and the things that get us off. Um, so, but, but yeah, just like the ethical piece, I think if people are really passionate about that to just consider mm. or do research maybe for what, what you're going to watch, if you're interested in, you know, watching adult time, you're, you're listening now, you're learning about that, but anything that you choose to watch, maybe do your yeah. research about that. Um, and April and I, so we say on here all the time, we are not anti-porn. We are anti, um, you know, por- like inter- porn as a sex educator. It's more for entertainment. And so I w- I'm going to want know, one, what your thoughts are about that. Two, mm-hmm. you have educational videos on your site, mm-hmm. correct? Yep. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I'm a, I am a very big believer that any form of media that has significant influence over culture, and you cannot deny at this point in 2020, that pornography as a, as a form of media does not have tremendous influence. All you need to look at is the 8 billion views a day that are happening on Pornhub. There is no way that we do not have influence. So I, I believe very strongly that because we are not accountable for being the default sex education, but we are at this point. And this really speaks to the larger issue that, that, that happens, that is happening in Western society, but, but definitely happening in American society where there is uh, no formal infrastructure around sex education. Um, any subject that's related to sex or sexuality automatically gets kind of put in this box and wrapped up and shamed and tabooed. And then we wonder why people are messed up. We wonder why there's so many uh, people out there with body image issues uh, who who don't feel comfortable um, in their in expressing their sexuality, uh, who are being discriminated against because of uh, their identity or because of their kinks or their fetishes, and or and people that simply just don't even understand how to experience pleasure or how to give pleasure because nobody has ever, despite the fact that sex is what you know ties us all together in some way and is the you know is is responsible for us all being here uh and that we all regardless of our relationship to sex it is a a really fundamental um part of each of our psyches uh you know despite that we 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 for for whatever you know reason and i know this has been the way it's been since you know (laughs) basically for all time we we just won't go there we won't talk about sex uh and and i i really think that as a community um, the adult industry, because we're not afraid to express our sexuality and we're not afraid to talk about sex, that we can actually really use that for good, that position that we have and that bravery that we have for good. So yes, our content is meant to entertain. Mm-hmm. I, want, I want adult time to be really entertaining and to be able to tackle a, a diverse range of kinks and not to kink shame. So we have stuff on there that's transgressive. We have stuff on there that's provocative. We have stuff on there that's really like gentle and vanilla and and we have everything in between. You know, we try to represent every single kind of model community and and every single kind of pairing and taste and subject matter. But we also are, I I believe, there to raise awareness. Uh, So we can do that again by working with the performers in our community to talk about issues of sex and sexuality, to explore them in a way that is authentic and realistic, and to be able to offer that 
as an option in addition to the fantasies and you know traditional porn tropes so that the people that are getting their sex education from porn can at least have a balance. And, you know, I recently did a docu-series um, called How Women Orgasm. Mm. And the reason I did that series was because a, a lot of what we shoot on adult time, we shoot so that it can um, actually be released both as an uncensored version within our platform, but also as a kind of PG rated uh, version that can go out on places like YouTube. Because again, just because it's about sexuality doesn't mean it has to be put in a black box. Like there's an R-rated version of sex and there's an X-rated version of sex. We want to tackle both. So I created the series. And the reason I created it was because I was looking at keyword searches on YouTube related to female masturbation. And I was so incredibly depressed by the results. What people are searching for on the largest video sharing site, uh, people who are like, should I be ashamed of women who are like, should I be ashamed of myself? Uh, I don't know how to do it. Um, you know, clearly cries for help from people that that have never received any any support or coaching or hey, it's okay, you're allowed to touch your body uh, from society. And so I created this series where I brought together a really diverse range of of women um, and interviewed them about their experiences growing up and also any advice they would give for somebody who might be feeling ashamed. So I could put that out on YouTube so that people that are searching for it could actually have some candid discussions that they could watch, um, you know, as an alternative to nothing, to silence. And of course, within adult time, we, we, we offer, you know, not only the interview, but then we filmed like a documentary, these women um, pleasuring themselves as they, as they would in their own private lives. And of course, I, I put in a, a couple of different camera angles so you can watch it all in real time. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, you know, designed to primarily educate and also just to like even show our adult viewers, like these are who these women really are. And we're not going to necessarily uh, glam them up or sugarcoat who they are. Like we just want them to be themselves. And we also want you to know that these performers are people because it's, that is something that's really important as well. So that's just one example of how we try to approach almost all the projects we create to have that balance between something that's entertaining and arousing, but also something that can do good because, you know, that's our mission doing porn differently. So. Mm-hmm. And is adult time for everyone, any sexuality, or is it targeted for a specific gender? Yep. So we uh, have, a, have uh, made a very conscious stance to be one platform for everybody. Cool. So what we offer right now within, uh, within our um, catalog is uh, we base content based on, you know, types of um, sex dynamics. So we have content featuring, um, you know, uh, hetero sex, uh, we have bisex, we have lesbian sex, we have people of different body sizes, we have people of different, you know, um, uh, uh, backgrounds in terms of, uh, of, uh, 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 you know, their sexualities and in terms of even, you know, um, uh, their, uh, ethnic backgrounds, their age, uh, different people of different ages. We really, really try to be inclusive. Uh, we're going to be, uh, also, uh, incorporating, um, uh, gay male channels into the same platform, uh, this actually in time for pride and our, the way that we've built our platform is it's personalized. So when you, when you create an account on Adult Time and, and you log in, it's all going to be a personalized um, catalog that's curated for you based on your preferences. Mm. And we allow people to be able to toggle on and off. I want to see this. I don't want to see that. And they can change it at any time. 
uh, and then we uh, show them basically what it is they want to see. But rather than creating like the gay adult time and the straight adult time, which is how the rest of the industry would do it, we're like, nah, we're going to do it differently. One platform for everybody uh, that also reinforces um, our values and ethics as a company. I love that. Mm-hmm. I do. I think this is so relevant. And now, what, what about your plot lines and how are you coming up with the content for your movie? I'm sure it's got to be fun and <laughs> creative. What do you do? Do you sit down, drink some wine with your partner? And, and what do you got for me today? <laughs> oh, man. Well, we, you know, like I said, we've got a pretty huge catalog on adult time. So there's over 60,000 pieces of content in our catalog. Um, I think there's something like five new releases that come out every day. There's over 200 channels. So there is a lot going on. I can only speak to the stuff that I individually produce, which is, you know, a slice of it. Um, So we have, you know, our, um, I, I tend to let my own creative inspirations drive the direction I go in. Uh, so, um, what I'm really, uh, over this past year, I, I wanted to create two big projects that again, were these sort of cross cross market projects. So two films that had an uncensored version, but were primarily shot as R rated films to be submitted to, you know, film festivals and, and, um, mainstream, uh, platforms and, and that sort of thing. Uh, so I created two films, Teenage Lesbian, which was based on my, my own experience growing up gay in the nineties. Uh, and, and again, wanting to talk about coming out without the censorship of not being able to talk about sexuality. Uh, so I did that project. And then I did a project called Perspective, which I really wanted to, to showcase as a dramatic acting vehicle for the cast. Um, a lot of my history has been focused on really creating projects that show the acting range. I know it's a huge joke. Oh, porn actors, ha ha ha, mattress actors. They, they're not actually talented. Oh, they're extremely talented. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and you know, can we, can we just treat them like the actors they are and treat our productions like, you know, the serious productions they are and, and showcase their acting talent. So uh, Pure Taboo is a studio. It's a, it's a transgressive studio that focuses on a lot of different, um, not only taboo subjects, but controversial and important subjects to talk about. And that's become a real platform for dramatic acting within the adult industry at large. And I, I started to, you know, at a certain point last year, I think it was while I was doing Teenage Lesbian, because that is based on my, my own personal story. I found um, that I connected very strongly with uh, the idea of shooting something rooted in realism, um, especially when there's just so much so much fantasy based content out there. And I mean, Hey, I've shot like a million fantasy scenes, so it's not, I'm not, I'm not dissing it at all, but I, I kind of hit a certain wall. And I think performers have awful also kind of started to hit this wall where it's like, you can only do the stepmom so many times <laughs> before you just want to, <laughs> so true, or, 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 or tell people, okay, you got to have sex in this really abstract, unnatural position for this many minutes. And, you know, I kind of got to a point where I'm like, I would like to see two people that really want to have sex together. And I would like to just let you have sex. And I would like to film it so that your fans can see it, but completely rooted in an authentic, you know, and realistic situation. So I've started to do a lot more docu-series. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found that these have been some of the most rewarding projects because not only is it really humanizing the people within this industry, um, but it's also just, I mean, it cre- it's creating amazing content because you're seeing sex, you know, that people 
actually want to have that with people they really want to have it with. So it's just the genuine chemistry is that much, you know, is, is that much more amped up, which just makes a more engaging scene. So, you know, I, I've, um, I'm actually going to be launching a, a, a new um, kind of dedicated series to this um, called Hergasm this spring, which is just all going to be like sex positive uh, projects that are rooted in like real sex, real connections, real chemistry, all of that good stuff. And it, it's just to appease like my, my, my heart at this point. So when I go into a set, it's like, you know, I, I want to shoot some, I want to shoot two people that are really, really into each other. That, that kind of motivates me at this point. And, and, um, you know, not to say that people who are cast together don't have great chemistry and work really well together. It happens a lot, but there's just something special when, it's been kind of pre-planned. Okay. You and you like each other. You guys want to work. You guys want to do this together. Okay. Let's do it. You know, that's been really rewarding. So, um, that's kind of what is driving my most recent projects that's and breaking awesome. down stigmas. I love breaking down. Stigmas. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. So Us do too. we. Us too, for sure. That's so, that's so cool that I love the part that you said also that you, you know, creating, um, uh, you know, a film that was based on your own story, uh, your, your own kind of a experience in your teenage years. And then, um, with the part about, but people kind of discrediting porn stars. I always think of porn stars. Yeah. They're, they're actors and they're fucking athletes. Like it's just a different kind of sport. You know, it's yeah. not, it's not soccer. And, mm-hmm. but like the God, some of the things that they can do with their bodies and, and for that duration of time, um, which I think can confuse people that I think that's how all sex should be too. But like, damn, sometimes I'm just like, wow, you're amazing. So, oh, yeah. um, yeah, definitely want to highlight that. Like not only are they, they're, they're people, they can be athletes, they can be fabulous actors and all, it can be all those things at the same time. Um, how, tell our listeners how they can find your site, your work. I mean, we've talked about it. It's adulttime.com. Um, is there anything else they need to know? How do they find you on social media, et cetera? Sure. Uh, so, um, adulttime.com is obviously the, the best space to, uh, to come check out what our platform has to offer. Uh, you can also, if you want to get kind of a, a taste of what our series are about, if you go to YouTube and you search for adult time, you can pull up our YouTube channel there. And we offer, like I said, kind of, uh, uh, safer work or, or, you know, PG friendly, um, either extended clips of our series or sometimes series that we've created just for YouTube. So it really is the best way to kind of get a, a sense of what we're about. Um, and then you can follow us on both Twitter and Instagram at adulttime.com and myself personally at Twitter and Instagram at the Brie Mills. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I added in the pretentious the is because unfortunately, uh, Brie Mills is taken by a poor, a poor Southern preacher woman. Who, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I want to know how much she's who probably really hates me. She probably yeah. really, really hates me. And I am so sorry out sorry, there Brie Mills. Yeah. yeah. For, for having to endure being tagged in certain certain posts <laughs> well that also could be maybe but that's helpful. uh yeah. the, the other brie mills it's uh her most favorite time of day yeah. to receive whatever she's learning things yes yeah, she probably is <laughs> i hope so i hope so i hope we're shedding some light on uh <laughs> on what what her perception of porn may be yes yes so i i want to encourage all of our listeners out there if you are into porn this is such a great outlet for you you can feel good about going to adult time getting the content all of the content is also beautifully made so it's just what you're doing brie is really important so thank you for being on our show and for and for sharing your gift with our listeners and uh hopefully you know we we, we can 
progressively change the pornography industry slowly but surely. And, yeah. and uh, I'm really happy that you uh, are doing what you're doing. Yeah. So thank awesome. you. And um, yeah, to all our listeners up th- out there, go to your laptop or your phone right now. Go to adult time. Curl up with a glass of wine, maybe Margins Wine. It's super yummy, boutique made in small, small batches. Go to MarginsWine.com and sign up for the newsletter because you will not be disappointed. Amy and I love it. Oh yeah, I'm drinking water right now because oh, no. it's too we're, early we're going for to wine, wine pretty but soon. wine is going to happen soon. It's so. almost wine o'clock. Wine o'clock. <laughs> All right, Bree, we really appreciate you. And to our listeners, thank you for being part of the shameless sex revolution. Ciao for now. Don't forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com.